that he shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Because scat is not scat, but it's scat. Scat yeah. is a totally different subject that we will not be covering here. <laughs> or maybe we will. You know I'm recording. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was only funny the first time. Hola y bienvenidos. I'm your host, Vico. And I am Obi. And we are... Those two Mexicans. And we're back. We are back for another episode. It is June 3rd, and we're right in it for Gay Pride Month. Yeah, it's a worldwide event, right? Except that in Oregon, it is celebrated in October. Well, I think just where we're at. It's celebrated in October, kind of because of National Coming Out Day, which is in October 11th. Oh, there's a National Coming Out Day? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's probably why. And we have a big parade because we are a small town and this small town loves a parade. Yeah. And I think the university that's in the town too is sponsors that event as well. So I think a lot of companies here sponsor it, which is kind of cool for it being a small town. It's pretty liberal, although it's a small, small little bubble of liberalism. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get racist on. I was reading an article today that kind of set the tone for this month for Gay Pride. I don't know if you read it. I think I posted it on Facebook. But basically what it is, is this transgender uh, person of color, actually, was celebrating Pride Month on their boat in Washington. And they had flags waving when all of a sudden these homophobes came to harass them they were circling them with their boat they were making loud noises they were creating waves and beating around them hurling racial slurs at them but racial or homophobic or transphobic probably all of that can't remember what the article said but i think it was uh, racial and homophobic slurs karma came quickly for them because apparently while they were doing that their boat caught on fire the homophobes boat caught on fire. Oh, their boat caught on fire. Yeah. Oh, I read the headline, but I, I didn't click on the link. Mm-hmm. Oh, sh- I should have read it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it became this big old drama. Well, what the report says is that probably because they were being very aggressive with the with the boat, you uh-huh. know, idling it and then trying to speed off really fast. Right. They, some gases and fumes or something must have gotten fucked up or something. And then so it lit on fire and it caught them all on fire. And they all started yelling and screaming for help. One of the homophobes got so scared that he was going to drown that he shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Yeah, he shit his pants and he threw himself in the water out of embarrassment. So they reported that he shit his pants? No, I think they have, there's a video out. Of him shitting his pants? Yeah, I don't know if I didn't. I was looking for it. I didn't see it. But the people that witnessed it said that he shit his pants. Uh, Okay, so the people that were in the boat. The ones that were being harassed reported that this is what they saw. Plus, there was a video that caught all of that on camera. Okay. And so the people in the boat that were harassing the family, they, none of them died. No, no one died. Okay. No one was seriously hurt, but I just <laughs> thought it was just funny because, and then here's, here's, here's the kicker. Oh. If it would have been me. It's, wait, there's a kicker after the shit? <laughs> if it would have been me, 
I would have been all, fuck y'all, I'm leaving. And I would have taken my boat and gone home, left them in the water, I don't give a shit. But because I don't know for what reason, I guess the kindness of their heart, the people that were being harassed saved them from drowning. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So happy pride, everyone. Happy pride. Keep your racism and hate to yourself. It's not racism, it's homophobia. Oh, because they were people of color? was a person of color. A mm. trans person of color. Oh, I see. Yes. Why don't you listen carefully? Eh. So anyway, that's that's how we're kicking off Pride Month with a nice little story to make you laugh. We'll post a link to the stories on our page so you can look that up. It is hilarious. On our show notes. <laughs> our show notes. But there's another thing coming up. Today, actually, is the anniversary. Yes, today is the 78th anniversary of the Zoot Suit Riots that happened in Los Angeles in 1943. So, I don't know if you know this, or people listening to this podcast know that there was actually an incident that happened a year before the Zoot Suit Riots that kind of was the catalyst for the riots. There's There's a lot to dive into and unpack. While I was researching, I would kept just going through rabbit holes of this and this and this that just made the event even more significant. After 78 years, it's still, re- you know, reminiscent of, of today. That is what I need to really unpack so I can understand that because uh, all those rabbit holes that I was going, that crossed into. And so it just escalated to this big old mindfuck for me like when I was trying to, you know, put my research together. And so, so yeah, I mean, there is an element of racism and Nazi, Nazism of that era. So I didn't know that, but that's why we're here today. And it looks like we have a lot to talk about. So yep. you want to get started? Yeah, let's get started. All right. Zoot Suit Riots. Here we go. Here we go. So most of our episodes have consisted of Mexican history, not planned that way. But I wanted to talk about the Zoot Suit Riots, the who's, the why's, and the impact that it had within the Latino, Latin, Latinx community. We are coming up, as I said earlier, uh, the 70th, 78th. Sorry, did I said 70? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's the 78th anniversary. And today is the day that this started 78 years ago. I want to start out by asking, do you know what a zoot suit is? Yes, I do. Okay. I don't know a lot about it, but I know that it's a suit that's got a lot of sharp lines. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a little history about the zoot suit. So there are a few names as the creators for the zoot suit. Those include Ernest Skillet Mayhem who wore one for his comedy show called Pots, Pans, and Skillets that ran on the Chitlin Circuit. Harold Fox, a band leader and clothier, said it came right off the street and out of the ghetto. The term look came from the African-American slang. Also, Charles Klein and Vito Bagnato of New York, Louis Letts, a Memphis tailor, and Nathan Toddy Elkis, a Detroit retailer. Those are some of the people that I came across So it originated in the black community. It did. Wow, interesting. It's fair to say the zoot suit was first worn by the African-American communities in Harlem, Chicago, and Detroit, starting in the 1930s. That's kind of cool that the suit was adopted by people of color. Yeah, that is what happened because Mexican-Americans and also Italian-Americans kind of, how do I say it? Appropriated it? Mm, I don't want to say appropriated it. I don't think it was an appropriation. I think in terms of what we Adop- adopted, adopted, I think adopted is more is better because I don't appropriation just has a strong, especially nowadays, a, a strong, not so good ref, uh, reference. Yeah, that's true. 
so yeah, I, li- I like the word adopted. So a lot of musicians took on the look in the 40s. The most notable was a musician by the name of, do you know? No, but I'm going to sidetrack a little bit. When I think of a zoot suit, I think of that cartoon wolf. I was um, whistling and oh, going yes. after girls. Yes. That's, Wasn't he like a filthy wolf? Yeah. I can't remember the name of him, but... <laughs> I, I can't either, but I... I, I That's I, what I think of when I see zoot suit. <laughs> <laughs> Negative connotations. Oh, yeah. So Cab Calloway... Oh, I know Cop Calloway. Yeah, he was a band leader, musician in that era, um, which, by the way, a little trivia, starred in a video with Janet Jackson. Yes, I I do know. Called All Right. The music video is actually really, really good. It actually also featured Sid Charisse, the Nicholas Brothers, and some scenes were choreographed by Michael Kidd. And for all of you who don't know who all these people are, look them up. You need to get some education. (laughs) Oh, and I just thought of something else. Yeah. Oh, the wolf. What? Go back to the wolf. He also danced with Paula Abdul. No, that's Scat Cat something. Oh, okay. No, I think no. it's Scat Cat. But then he wear a suit suit? Because Scat is not Scat, but it's Scat, like the musical version. Yeah, Scat yeah. is a totally different subject <laughs> that we will not be covering here. Or maybe we will. I don't think Ooh. so. <laughs> All right, back to the zoot suit. So, like you said, it is, I would... I would say it's it's a linear suit, but the suit also has wide shoulder pads and lapels with balloon or peg-legged pant. It grew out of the drape suit worn in the Harlem dance halls in the 1930s. The tapered look was designed as a way to help jitterbug dancers so they wouldn't trip when they twirled. By the 1940s, the suit would take on a whole new meaning. The suit was worn by minority working class men. It was a way of refusing to be ignored. The zoot suit had profound political meaning, wrote Invisible Man author Robert Ellison. Quote, for those without other forms of cultural capital, fashion can be a way of claiming space for yourself. By 1943, it had spread out to the Mexican-Italian communities. Mexican-American youth known as Pachucos adopted the look that would solidify and signify the silhouette that we know. So why was the zoot suit so controversial? I know why, though. Why? Do you want me to tell you or do you want to? talk about it but i do know just a little bit why okay so i think it was because it was during wartime and there was rations of garments and so people who were patriotic code word racist as they saw it as disrespectful to to the nation to be wasteful during the wartime yes that is exactly see i know a thing or two about a thing or two <laughs> okay robert de niro so people thought and i think when i say people we know what people i mean uh, thought that the overabundance and indulgence of fabric was a disobedient act in this wartime rationed era. The zoot suit was also believed to be unpatriotic, and L.A. Councilman Norris J. Nelson even proposed to outlaw zoot suits, and though it later was prohibited for the duration of the war due to the wastefulness of the fabric. So it did become prohibited. It was a way to control the Latinos? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really figure out what was prohibited, but... I guess you couldn't wear it, and if somebody saw you wearing it, you could get arrested. So, there you have it. A quick history on the Zoot Suit. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure if there's... Oh, oh, well, that's right, but we're only talking talking about the actual suit right now. Yeah. And we're going to get into the event. Yeah, I want to kind of give people context 
cool. You know, and because of the event and why it was so crucial, because you actually just, it, it turned into the suit signifying a group of people that were stereotyped. And so then you get into all this racism and... Right. and so basically then the zoot suit was a form of expression for marginalized people back in the day. Working men. Yes. And then the patriotic people of the time used it as a way of saying that it was unpatriotic and found a way to criminalize fashion, right? Yeah, I would I would say that. So another thing that I, I want to talk about too is the Pachuco culture. So in the 40s, Mexico and the U.S. put together an agreement known as, do you know what that program was called? The Bracero Program. So it allowed millions of Mexicans to come to the U.S. They were the workforce during this wartime era. So basically all the American men were off to fight the war and they needed... Yes. Women were not enough, so they brought in Mexicans to do the work. Yes, because at that time, women started working in the factories as well. And so Mexico and the U.S. basically came to a diplomatic agreement to let immigrants into the U.S., but it was because they were trying to fill the workforce in the U.S. during that era. But then they were allowed to come to the U.S., but they were also provided with subpar housing at high costs. And from there... Their forms of prejudice and racism basically ensue. Shocking. So with that, though, in this newly, these newly placed immigrants created their own community known as... Barrios. Know? Yep, known as Barrios. They created, within that, they created their own sense of pride, culture, fashion, as, you, as we mentioned earlier, but also keeping their own traditions and, and assimilating to life in the U.S. Because a lot of them spoke Spanish, but as they started having kids, those first-generation Mexican-Americans, because it was the 40s and so this was new, so a lot of these people or a lot of these immigrants were Mexican-born, but they were adapting into the way of U.S. life. Because the zoot suit within the African-American community was the look of the time. So that's why they adopted that. I think, you know, within the community, within the, within the Latino, Latinx or Latin community, you always want to look your best, right? And But you also want to add a bit of your own flair, culture, culture, flair. So that's kind of the essence of, of Pachuco. So I want to kind of quote this paragraph from a, an article that I came across by Humberto Guida. So he says, Pachuco culture is dope, not just because it represents our story of resistance and rebellion through fashion, but also because these young immigrant first-generation Pachucos just trying to make sense of their new barrio created a movement that still resonates today. If you hear the words like guacho when you're told to look out or hear someone refer to their friend as their ese, these are actually words and phrases that the Pachucos popularize as a part of their hybrid Calo language. It goes without saying that cruising and lowrider culture traces all the way back to the Pachucos of the 40s. Ultimately, Pachucos leave us with the story of a brand new culture, style, and vibe born out of an immigrant community that is now enjoyed by everyone. And we'll post a link if you want to read the whole article on our notes. So there you have it. Some context on the Zoot Suit and the Pachuco. Orale, Pachuco. <laughs> the lifestyle and the culture. We're going to be talking about that a lot in the next episode. What? Another episode? Is this a two-parter? <laughs> no, this is a three-parter. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next week's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the Zoot Suit Riots and another event that was the catalyst for all of this. 
And yes. what's the third episode? Uh, the episode, the third episode is going to be about the social and cultural impact that it had back then and how it still continues to manifest in our community today. Very cool. All right. So the month of June is going to be all about the riots. Yep. Mexican-American history. So I hope that was informational for those of you who don't know, didn't know a lot about the Zoot Suit riots. So you got a little bit of context of what the actual Zoot Suit is and the players. So next week, tune in so that you can learn about the actual events. And of course, check out our Instagram. Uh, We'll be posting some pictures of some Zoot Suits, probably some famous people in Zoot Suits. Pachucos. And some Pachucos. I don't have any family members that I can put up, uh, but I'm sure there's definitely some archival footage of yeah. of what that culture is. Oh, I, by the way, so the Pachuco culture evolved into what is also Chola and Cholo culture, lowriders and all that. Cruising down Magnolia Boulevard. Oh my God. <laughs> Isn't it Whittier Boulevard? Oh, no, we didn't live up. in Whittier. <laughs> we didn't have Whittier Boulevard. We had Magnolia <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> Oh, that's a long <laughs> avenue, though. And it wasn't uh, whatever times it was the eighties. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I, I mean, were I, you were you you weren't a part of that, were you? No, this was. I was adjacent. Know, I was not part of that, but we did do cruising down Magnolia Avenue. Yeah, on Friday nights. I mean, I was adjacent because I had cousins and my sister. They were cholas and and cholos and all that. And I we grew up. Ha- we didn't have any cholos in our family. I mean, the closest to a cholo we had was our only white cousin. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. It reminds me of Blood and Blood Out. (laughs) I've never seen the movie. Oh, my. You know what? (laughs) I can't. So you haven't seen Stand and Deliver. Nope. You haven't seen Blood and Blood Out. Nope. You haven't seen American Me. Mm, I think I saw it once. What about maybe The Loca? Nope. Oh, my gosh. We have a DVD, but we never actually watched it. No, I've seen that movie so well, many you times. Probably watched, but we it was a staple. DVD, but I, we never actually watched it. I actually never watched well, it. Well, no, it's a collector's edition. Okay. And now DVDs are out of style, so <laughs> we never will watch it. All but right. Anyway, so yeah, thanks you for joining us. And I also will be posting that link of that guy that shit his pants in the water. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so look for that. On I that mean, note, I can't, I can't promise that it'll be there will be any shit shown in that. But <laughs> read the article, see the video; it's hilarious. On that note, see y'all next week. See you next week. You have been listening to those, those two, two Mexicans. Mexicans. Don't be that person and miss any of our episodes. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts at Those Two Mexicans. And follow us on Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter at Those Two Mexicans. And you can also email us at Those Two Mexicans at gmail.com. And in case we haven't been clear, we are Those Those Two Mexicans. Mexicans. See you next week. Hasta la próxima.